Welcome to Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. And I am Gordon. Gordon, it's good to have you back. All, all, all the listeners have been begging for it. <laughs> You've got a bad set of listeners, but I'm glad to be back in sabbatical. Um, I can do without that one. Fair <laughs> enough. So today, guys, we want to talk about making photographs of flowers while you're out walking around. Um, not a, not making a massive exercise or a, the equivalent of a trip to Jupiter amount of work to go make images of flowers, but spring's here. It's simpler than a lot of documentation would have you believe. Do you agree? It's simpler to do. It's less simple to talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> a simple topic that gets complicated in a hurry. I think those are your words. Yeah, and that's how I felt when I started this. Okay. Well, let's keep it, let's do keep it simple then. Can you make photographs with your smartphone? Of course you can. Yes. If you've got a point-and-shoot camera, can you make flower photographs with that? Works. They've all got these close-up modes or something like that. Um, a lot of point-and-shoot cameras will even have a little icon for the flower. That's right. So <clears throat> that's all good. But we're going to talk about using cameras with interchangeable lenses. So, Gordon... Are there any limitations on a camera that takes interchangeable lenses to use for flower photography? Or will most all cameras do the job just fine? Pretty much any camera that you can buy in the market right now will take excellent photographs of flowers or, or pretty much anything else if you do your work. Okay. So we're going to use our camera. We're going to get good images. Are there some things that you like to see on a camera that help when you're making flower images? Because you and I take different approaches to this. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the point I raised is, uh, as far as the uh, any camera goes, the ability to change the three co components of the exposure triangle Actually, keep it simple. If you can change the aperture, shutter speed, and ISO, that's not necessary, but it does give you better control over what you do. Concur. On most cameras today, on the back, whether they're electronic viewfinder or optical viewfinder, they've got some kind of LED panel or yeah. LCD. And a lot of the newer cameras, meaning none that I own, uh, have a flip out or flip up type of LCD. Yep. I could see benefit to that if just getting low was painful and you just wanted to flip that out a little bit, maybe you know, use it as a composition tool. They're great for that. Well, uh, absolutely. Particularly the, the newer mirrorless cameras, uh, which have built into the LEDs or LCDs, or whatever Ds, built into them are various focusing tools that give you pretty much the ultimate control of uh, how you focus it. They have magnification views. They have things called peaking, which will show you 
by illuminating a different color what is in focus and what is not. So having, having those, those sort of components built in are, are good. Flipping it out makes all the difference in the world because particularly in a flower, you're going to want to get low. Uh, you can shoot flowers from the top. They will look like exactly like what you think they're going to look like. But if you want to get reasonable images, you want to get down low. You want to get underneath them. You want to get behind them. And frequently, where the camera wants to go, the rest of you can't follow. So having an LCD showing you what you're looking at uh, is a big benefit. But having said all that, there are times when nothing but your viewfinder is going to work particularly well. So if you're going to do this, you have to be prepared to be on your belly, get dirty, it will be muddy, and uh, use what you got. Okay, but th that's that's not unreasonable for any type of work that's happening close to the ground. If all the flowers grew to be about five and a half feet in the air, everybody would do this. I'd need a telephoto lens. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a reason why I like hobbits. But... <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, yes, you may like hobbits, but you're not a hobbit. <laughs> Although I did read an article today that apparently there is an anthropologist who thinks that hobbits still exist in a particular jungle area in Indonesia. Okay. Yeah. We used to call them something else, but uh, but let's not. <laughs> no, he said uh, small, big feet with hair. <laughs> yep, that's what we call something else. Once upon a time, before political correctness right. <clears throat> walked through the door. Okay, so we've got the camera. Obviously, the camera takes interchangeable lenses. And I think one of the criteria you defined for this, you need a lens that allows you to make the composition you want. Yes, Basically, that would be a good way of saying it. Close enough, be able to get close enough to fill the frame. Yes. And no more than that. I mean, you can get stuff that does more than that, but it's not critical. You don't have to go out and spend a fortune. You probably even own a lens that will do the job today. So, Gordon, I mean, you do this kind of work. Do you have to have a macro lens? Have to? No. It uh, depends on what you want to photograph in the flower. Uh if your inclination is to get the details of the flower, then you're going to need something that focuses on isolated parts of it, however it is you choose to do that. It need not be a macro. There are other things you can do, extension tubes that will go on to your run-of-the-mill kit lens coming off your camera which will give you plenty of magnification. But obviously, the more intricate you wish to get, uh, well, your budget better go up then. Yeah, but that, I think that's fair. The point we're making, though, folks, is that if you just want to go up and make some nice photographs of flowers, 
You don't have to go spend thousands of dollars on kit to do this. No, absolutely not. And we did talk about extension tubes on another episode. So if you want to learn more about them, that's great. So Gordon, if there was a lens that most people probably already have for other purposes, that is a really good choice for this. I know what my choice would be. What would yours be? A, a lens that has a reasonable aperture opening. But more to the point, I think a lens, a medium telephoto lens, something in the vicinity of a 70 to 200, which seems to be uh, the most ubiquitous lens uh, in the market. Yeah, and, and that's a 7200 equivalent. Equivalent. Depending on what your Whatever sensor cam- size or camera you have. Absolutely. So something in that range, which, uh, uh, but one of the one of the criteria for, the, you, you can have telephoto lenses that cl- only focus to about six, seven feet. That's no good. But if it closes anywhere up to maybe two feet or so, uh, ideal. It gets you far enough away, uh, gives you enough blurring. Uh, it's sharp on on the foc- on the image that you want to make, and you generally don't have to contort yourself to get the composition you want. And we know because we've talked about it: the closer we are, and the closer we focus, the smaller our depth of field is going to be anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to have to go out and do anything special in terms of the lens to make sure that we can get a soft background. We're going to get a soft background. Mm -hmm. If we focus properly on the things that are of interest to us, that's just going to be delivered. So we've got our camera, we've got our lens. When you go do this, what else do you take with you? I take ancillary things to try and make life easy. But of, of all the things... Could carry. I think the one thing you probably should carry is a tripod. I I know that the internet is rife with the alternate opinion of, well, when I go out to take photographs, I don't use a tripod. I've got a good steady hand and I don't need a tripod. And for those people, well, you know, more power to them. Yeah, fair enough, but that's not me. Certainly not me. And the older you get, the less likely it is to be you. Well, and particularly if you're having to crouch or take a somewhat awkward position, even then, no matter how fit you are, at some point, you know, unless you're a professional baseball catcher, your knees aren't built to hold a squat for 45 minutes. So I think these are reasonable things. Now, in a tripod... Uh, obviously we want to have a, a good quality tripod with a good quality, I would say a ball head in this case. Ball head is, I, I don't know why we make anything else actually. Oh no, and that's fair because I happen to, when it comes to still photography, I, I agree completely. Now, one of the things I like about the tripods that I own is I can splay the legs out yep. so I can get the tripod fairly low. But none of the tripods that I own came with a center column. Right. But you're telling me, you told me earlier today, that many tripods, we can actually remove the center column, even if it's supplied with it. Yes, basically, 
I, I have three tripods now. And in one form or the other, I can get the center column off uh, and the ball head screwed back on so that I can go pretty much flat to the ground. And that's critical because, you know, if the legs will splay out for you, that's wonderful. But if you've got an 18-inch center column, you're not getting as low to the ground as you want to be. No, then, you, then you're kind of back into using something else. Right. Now, that's not to say you can't do this with some other kind of support. But there is probably no accessory that we can buy as photographers where a good one will last as long and be as useful for a variety of different applications as a decent tripod. Yes, uh, I absolutely agree. Uh, the, other, the other reason for, for the tripod is you mentioned you get very little depth of field the closer you get to the flower, which is all very good for giving you a blurred background not so good if you want to get the whole flower in focus. So you're now into having to use uh, a small aperture, which translates into having to use a slower shutter speed and also translates into, if you want to use a faster shutter speed, a high ISO. And I think you and I both know what a high ISO does to... Uh, most photographers' equilibrium. It makes them crazy. Well, yeah, this this whole noise issue comes up. Yeah, yeah. There's so a... if you want to avoid those, I, I don't see what your options are other than putting your camera on a tripod. You can use whatever ISO you want. You can use whatever shutter speed you want. You can use whatever aperture you want. And you don't have to stay in a peculiar position for a long time. You can sit and wait for the conditions to be what you want them to be and then take your image. Yeah, and I, when I'm doing that, because I'm not necessarily comfortable, you know, with my knees and my ears, I'm going to use a remote release, either electronic or through the phone if, if your camera supports that. A lot of the mirrorless cameras, you mentioned this earlier, they support direct phone connection. Yep. You can control them entirely from your smartphone. If you can get them to work, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Now, I've found that, let's say I'm out photographing flowers, and I like wildflowers. And those wildflowers are under the canopy. Yep. So the light is dimmer. Yep. There's less contrast. Yep. And even then, I'm going to be getting a shadow maybe where I don't want it. Yep. So how do you deal with that? The, I think the obvious answer is you carry an accessory light source with you. And the accessory light source can be a flash. And again the internet and uh, say, I don't use a flash. It's too harsh. It's too, it's too bright. It's too, it produces too many shadows. They have a lot of reasons why they don't use a flash. However, a flash used properly with a minimum of additional equipment 
You don't have to have pet Sherpa, but something that will fit in your bag will uh, provide uh, additional light where you want it. It will allow you to illuminate the flower in ways that uh, you might have to wait three days before you get the right light. You could just make your own at that moment and get on with it. So using a flash is one option. With the development of technology recently, there are a number of small portable LED continuous light sources that will help you very nicely to illuminate parts of the flower that you want to. A flash used properly should illuminate the flower in a way that you don't know that flash has been used. I think that I think that's the key, key thing. I mean, you know, I'm the flash guy. Yep. I will always use a flash. In this context, as a secondary illuminator. Yep. But in a manner not to make it look like a flash. Yep. And it could be with just one of those foldable reflector things that you strap to the head of the flash. Mm-hmm. It could be something like the Magmod system where you make the head bigger. Right. Uh, create a nice larger soft source, but the flash is off the camera. Yes. Definitely. Just like if you were using one of these small multi-LED battery-powered panels. Right. Not the single LED because they're very harsh. Yeah. But if you had one of these little panels that's, I don't know, three by four inches, runs on a battery for four hours or so. Yep. What a great choice. Also, a couple of years ago, I picked up a small flashlight. I think I got it from Bass Pro or some such places. And it switches between uh, the focus light, uh, a red beam, which I use for the light photography, but it also gives you sort of a circular LED light. Mm. I mean, that just that's just this dinky little thing that fits uh, pretty much in the side pocket of your uh, camera bag, and you can use it to light paint till the cows come home. Right. I've got a a streamlight that looks like a a ballpoint pen. Yep. And it's perfect for that. I got it I think on Amazon and, it, and to your point it wasn't expensive. Mm-hmm. And and as a fill fill tool particularly if you're doing a long exposure because that's the way the light really is. Right. It can be a great great choice. And one of the things that we both know uh, an excellent photographer and she's come up with a fascinating way to deal with crappy backgrounds. Maybe mm-hmm. you could tell the listeners how she does this. Yeah. Well, the the short version is she brings her own. She uh, goes out and uh, photographs things that have texture. She photographs walls. She photographs drapes. She photographs uh, if she comes to visit you and you've got a house with a uh, with a wall that uh, is not attractive for any other reason, she'll go and take a photograph of it. And then she will make a print, mount the, mount the print on a piece of foam board, foam core, and cut it down to whatever size she wants. And since uh, eight and a half by 11 seems to be, will fit you the, get you the biggest bang for your buck, she's got a whole bunch of those that fit very neatly into... Uh, the computer slot that all the camera bags come with so that you can carry a computer with you so you don't use it 
fits perfectly in there. Wonderful and you idea. can carry just carry those out. And if you don't like the background and you can't eliminate the background, you put a background in. Bring your own. Well, the other benefit of that methodology is it'll also act as a bit of a windbreak. Uh, yep. Or if you turn it around, you've got a reflector. Right. Right. If you mount a white foam board, yep. there's your... Or if you mount the image on both sides, you've got two backgrounds. In one piece. That's brilliant. And it's a great way to differentiate your field photography without having to take 500 pounds of gear. That's great. Now, you talked earlier about the importance of the ability to get low. Yep. I know when I went out in into Nevada and California to get low, either involved sinking deep into desert sand or sinking deep into wet, needles and leaves i was not well prepared let's just say that okay what's your solution Uh, i got two hip pockets and two reasonable sized garbage bags will fit quite nicely into them thank you preferably white because sometimes it's dark where you want to take the flowers shots of the flowers uh, the wind blows and a black bag blowing away in the forest, uh, well, you, there, there goes your protection. So white bag crushes down to nothing. Carry it in your hip pocket. Put it down on the ground. Protect your gear. Protect your gear for one thing and protect you for the other thing. So it, I think it's an easy solution to uh, an otherwise pretty messy uh, problem. So it's, so let me make sure I got this clear. One for you, one for your camera bag. Yep. And I know for night photography, I've used a white garbage bag or even a white towel. Yep. Because anything that falls out of the bag, yep. I'm never going to find. Yep. But if it falls onto the white bag, maybe <laughs> I have a better chance. So that's why the white. Yep. And in absolutely horrible situations, that and a couple of clothes pegs make a really cool reflector. Yep. Now, what do you do, Gordon, when you encounter a situation where you see the scene you want? You've got the composition, but there's something in the way, something living in the way. What do you do? Is there a chainsaw involved? <laughs> Generally not. <laughs> uh, but you can move things. Uh, if you got somebody with you, uh, you can ask them to hold things out of the way. If not, uh, you can move them and hook them behind something else, get them out of the way. Or you can carry some form of flexible clamp that you can hook onto offending branches and flowers and leaves and stuff that get in the way. So if you can remove them without destroying the ecosystem, then by all means move them. But if you have to start cutting things down and you'd rather not, then don't, but do move them one way or the other. I think there are all kinds of clamps available in the market that you could uh, use that that serve multiple functions. One, you, 
You can use them to hold things out of the way. You can clamp the aforementioned background to one of these things and put them behind the flower. And if it's only eight and a half by 11, it doesn't have to be very far away from the flower to fill the screen. Um, so um, you can use it to hold reflectors. You can, if you've got more than one, you can hold more than one reflector. So having some kind of a flexible clamp system, either DIY or if you're more affluent and you want to go visit Amazon, they got all kinds of things. They do. The one that's probably best known uh, is from Wimberley, the tripod head company. Yes. Called The Plant. Yep. And it's basically a plastic-covered flexi rod yep. with an alligator clip at both ends. Yep. And when we're talking alligator clips, we're not talking about battery recharging alligator clips. <laughs> we're talking no. about little tiny alligator clips. And you can use those to hold a twig or a branch or a frond out of the way yep. and not cause damage to it. Not to date myself, but years ago, you could go into a Canadian Tire or now a Princess Auto and buy a box of alligator clams. But if you were a teenager with long hair, they didn't believe that you were using them for anything <laughs> other than nefarious roach-like purposes. But they work great. They cost next to nothing. If one breaks, okay. If you lose one, okay. But they they really do work a charm. And because that there there is typically an opening on the base, you can make your own twisty tie type of thing out of a few of them using just some house wire. Yep. Or even an old hanger. Yep. So I think that's pretty good, Gordon. What I'm getting from you, and I'll just ask for clarification, is that any photographer can go out and with a little bit of preparation and not spending a fortune, they're going to be able to make nice photographs of flowers whenever they want. Whenever they want, yeah. Preferably in the morning, evening, or cloudy days, but yes, otherwise, anytime you want. Right. So the reason Gordon's saying that is because full sun at noon is not pleasant light. If it's overcast, that's actually pretty nice light. You might want to warm it up a little bit with your flash or your supplemental light. Or when you get your files into your post-processor, yep. move the slider <laughs> and look how warm everything is. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, so much for white balance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, white balance is what you want it to be. Yep. Well, thanks, Gordon. That was awesome. Uh, I think a, a strong topic covered quickly, and I'm hopeful that our listeners enjoyed it. I hope so, and if there's any indication that they do, we can take this ad nauseum. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. If anyone needs a rat hole, <laughs> we can get down it. <laughs> rat hole. <laughs> okay. All right. Gordon, it's great to have you back. Great to be back. I have to admit that. For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. We will speak to you again very soon.